Uh, hi everyone, I'm Paul Tucker. I'm the Head of Growth and New Markets for Orange in Australia and welcome back to the Beyond Mindset. I'm joined by my co-host and co-colleague uh, at Orange, Simon Bryant, our Head of Digital Innovation, Co-Innovation and Data. Um, so welcome Simon, how are you? I'm good, thanks Paul. Thanks for that intro and, and it's my pleasure to introduce our guest today, Saskia Hunter, who's the Director of Aquilab by GHD Digital. Saskia, looking forward to the conversation mm -hmm. with you. Thank you, Simon and Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we get started, I just wanted to touch on, um, for new viewers or listeners, uh, what the purpose of the Beyond Mindset is. And it's where we interview a diverse range of leaders from across the globe around what sparks their fire, what lights them up, what uh, is their real passion behind what's happening now in their world, but also what's happening towards the future and how we can hopefully unveil some interesting topics and discussions, um, but most importantly, hear the passion that comes through from the people that we're interviewing. So uh, without further ado, I'll pass to Simon to kick us off and uh, looking forward to the chat, Saskia. So let's go. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Saskia, super sounding uh, role, <laughs> director of, of Aqualab. Um, I'd love to understand more of what that's about. You know, what's, what is Aqualab? Uh, and what is your role in it? Yeah, thanks, Simon. Um, so, you know, my um, my background is as a process engineer, and I've I've done the very traditional linear engineering sort of career path, um, and. You know, I fell into the water industry in a very unplanned way when I was um, finishing my university degree and, and I've managed to stick around for 23 or 24 years now because the water industry is so, um, so important and so interesting and um, so many challenges. So it's um, had plenty of opportunities to, to stay engaged. And now, as you say, I do find myself in this really fortunate position as director of Aqualab, which is not a role that um, they tell you about at university for sure. Um, but the role itself is really about um, bringing together my interests in and experience in water and digital and innovation. And um, Aqualab itself has been created to inspire water industry professionals to um, explore challenges, to share ideas and to experiment with new technology because we find ourselves in this digital age with all of the toys and gadgets and things, but you know, we wanted to find a way or provide a way for people to really start exploring how this new technology can help to move the dial on some of the world's biggest water challenges. That's great. You, so you talk about an unplanned, um, I suppose, departure from a path that you were on. Um, yeah. What, you, what, what, what had you dreamed you would be and what caused oh. you to kind of divert? <laughs> well, it's so, I mean, it's so interesting how life throws you these curveballs because um, all through my university degree, you know, back in those days, chemical engineering was um, very heavy industry focused, oil and gas predominantly and, and other heavy industry. And there was absolutely nobody talking about water to process engineers at that stage. And um I did find myself um, with a oil and gas job, but sort of at the last minute decided that perhaps wasn't going to be for me because of where I had to move to go and live. So I literally did find myself uh, flicking through the yellow pages, looking for um, opportunities that are a little bit closer to home. And, um, you know, as, as things happen, I ended up with a job in the water industry um, at GHD as a graduate. And um, yeah, that's just, one of those sliding door moments, I think. Oh. And um, so I, that's how I, I fell in <laughs> and I've stayed ever since. 
Absolutely. we're not a hundred percent clear on our demographic for this yet, Saskia, but we might need to put a Google link to what the yellow pages is. Oh sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. We all know what it is, but but others might not. Yeah. Sorry, Simon. Fair enough. <laughs> I think that's the, isn't that the thing that's propping up our monitors at work these days? <laughs> it's the foot stand underneath the computer now. <laughs> yeah. And looking back uh, then, Saskia, on the sliding doors moment that, that caused you to kind of divert your path, um, there's obviously a sense of yeah, that was absolutely right. I mean, if you're kind of looking back on key, I suppose, yeah. milestones or events that's confirmed that for you, um, any stories you could tell? And I, yeah, like, I think it's interesting how, how we make choices in life without maybe always understanding mm. um, why we've made those choices. But, but then when you look back on them, lots of little things were leading up to it that we hadn't been aware of to begin with. And, and for me, that was, um, I guess, in alignment with my values um, around environmental conserva conservation and, um, you know, looking after our planet and also some of the subjects I had actually chosen at university. I'd sort of just chosen things that I was interested in without actually planning a direction in this way. But in the end, um, it was perfect. It all aligned beautifully. And um, and I think, you know, I can also reflect on those sorts of things later in my career as well when we talk about how did I get into this position because, I had just made choices around things that I was interested in and passionate in. And then one day the stars aligned and, um, you know, you find yourself in the right place at the right time to be doing something that just is absolutely perfect for you. So yeah, there's been a couple of those moments. That's exciting. Yeah. Brilliant. And the stars so alignment for you was, was somebody who kind of, I suppose, was able to look at, um, that that experience um, and understand mm. um, the passion and the values that you bring um, and kind of set you up uh, in in the role that you're you're now in. Yeah, that's it. So it was back in 2017, and I had um, been working in the water industry for a long time, but had also been doing collecting a. Um, you know, a mishmash of, of innovation type projects and, and different things for internally and externally and to sort of indulge those interests. And um, when I met Kumar Parakala, who now leads our digital business, um, he sort of saw those threads and, and, you know, potentially some other things in me and then invited me to join digital in 2017. And then it's been a journey since then as well. I mean, I didn't be automatically become the director of Aqualab. You know, it was a, a few stepping stones along the way, but um, it's become, you know, such a, um, such a really neat fit for, for who I am and the journey that I've been on. So yeah, um, that would say, say that's probably another one of those sliding door moments. And if you were to describe Aqualab for someone who's might not be familiar with that kind of, I suppose, center of excellence uh, construct, hmm. um, what's it all about? What what makes it up? Um, what is it that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? So, so the core heart of it at the moment is actually trying to build this community that um, can come together and a community of peers of, of senior water professionals from across the globe who have these common challenges, common interests, um, principally utilities. Um, and, you know, really at the moment, it's about building that community and making those global connections for people. Um, there are many forums already in existence digital forums, but often often they're very impersonal and you don't know who's who in the zoo. And, and so we're trying to create something that's much more personalized. So, and introducing individuals to each other um, and creating groups of people who can share their real life experiences in a, in a private or semi-private way. Um, 
so that's the heart of it at the moment is actually just to building these connections and building this community. But then what we'd really like to get to is then to provide a, um, an avenue for people to then collaborate more broadly on, on their challenges. And one of the things that we see is that no matter who you talk to in the world, that the challenges are pretty common. 80% of them are yeah. uh, pretty much the same. And so the stuff that's happening in Canada or the US or North, um, the UK or you know, Australia, there's a lot of common things going on. There's a lot of repetition of um, duplication of effort. And so what we'd really like to do is get from the conversations to how can we work better together to, to help to move the dial more quickly and to reduce the amount of waste and duplication that goes on around the world in this space. So, um, and in our early days, we did, we have done some collaborative projects as well. So um, we've, you know, we've got a few building blocks in place of how do we work together under a collaborative model as opposed to, um, uh, you know, just one-to-one -one as a service provider. So we're starting to put all these little building blocks in place that ultimately will get us to a point where people can work more readily together on common challenges. That's our, that's our goal. I think it's, it's probably an interesting space as well in that certainly thinking about the domestic um, operators, uh, they're in a non-compete environment. So yep. getting them to collaborate in theory um, should mm -hmm. be a, a an, an easier task than in an environment where they were competing with each other for, for revenue or for, yeah. for investment. So that's so how, true. Yeah. How's that working? And, and are you seeing that as an advantage of, of how you can bring that market together mm. to achieve some really important um, goals? So I think that's one absolutely critical uh, characteristic of the water industry already is that they are already very good collaborators and, um, but we tend to still, having said that, you know, um, there are still people who maybe don't look far enough afield for, um, for opportunities to collaborate and sort of tend to do, you know, visit the same old suspects. Um, and I guess also people argue that, you know, they've, their circumstances are very nuanced, you know, and something that's been trialled in, in a utility in a different country might not apply to them here because it hasn't been trialed here, for example. And so there's still a little bit of that um, type of nuance where, you know, people think, oh, maybe those results aren't valid. And so um, absolutely, we've got the benefit of having people who have already kind of steeped in that culture of collaboration. But I think we've absolutely got um, a lot more we can do there to try and kind of help to step away from this sort of parochialism that still does exist quite broadly. It strikes me that, that the role, that, that particular part of your role is a lot like sowing seeds, Saskia. You're kind of doing a lot of sowing and, and yes. watering and fertilizing. Yeah. Um, have you seen any yeah. shoots popping up, any kind of anecdotal stories where you kind of say, hey, it's working. Um, one plus one does equal three. Yeah, well, look, we're starting to see the very early stages of that. Like, we're probably not far enough down the track to be able to to have a, a, a case study where we can go, yes, this, we've cracked it, but certainly starting to see the early shoots of um, people who don't normally talk to each other starting to talk to each other, yeah. um, you know, or to reach out to each other or to understand what people who are outside their normal sphere of, of reference are doing. So that's really heartening. And I think, you know, give me six to 12 months, um, I'm hoping that we will then have be able to progress that beyond different people having conversations to now different people really working well together on something concrete. That's where we want to get to.
And how awesome it is to have a, a role that you can actually talk in terms of six to 12 months where you can actually yeah. talk in terms of having the freedom yeah. not to have to kind of produce results tomorrow because it's just not the world that 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 you live in and and that space yes yeah. oh look you know there and there's that tension still like yes it's um we do have a longer runway this has to be a longer play i mean we can't um change the way things have always been done if we keep doing things the same way that we've always done them so um so there's definitely a longer a longer term play here in terms of how we um approach it and when you know when we look to see results and so on um but you know there are still normal day-to-day pressures around you know how do we make this pay um so you know that that's but we'll get there in the end but you know really fundamentally it's about the bigger picture and the you know the the future of the water industry is really what we're interested in talking about here and And speaking of that um sorry tux just speaking of that the um what are the, the key challenges that you see facing the water industry that you'd like to have this growing ecosystem address in the next six to 12 and beyond months? Yeah, so, I mean, look, there are lots of things that people are grappling with, but the, the couple of things that have really come out for me in the last few months are um, the challenges that we have globally around water scarcity. And it's not a new problem, but I think it's just becoming more and more exacerbated. And the other one that has actually been uh, you know, really thrust into the limelight a lot more, particularly since COVID, is the issue of water equity and um, everybody having access to water um, for their purposes. You know, um, so for me, you know, they're they're not the only problems or only challenges, but they're the the big ones. I think that um, a lot of other things kind of feed into. So yeah, they they're they're the ones that we're looking at at the moment. You often hear the, or the, I suppose the, um, the that's not the word, unquoted um, research, I guess, around the world will run out of water by 2050. I mean, is that mm. scaremongering? Is there, is there kind of some real science behind that? What's your view on that? Ah, oh, look, I, I don't know that we're going to run out of water by 2050. I mean, you know, people have demonstrated their resilience and their ability to innovate over many years. Uh, I don't have any doubt that we will do what we need to do to make sure we've got the water supply the questions I guess are whether we can do that in a way that continues to be sustainable or whether we're just continuing to exacerbate an already dire problem and um, you know and whether we're using the water in the smartest most most efficient ways I think is some really some questions that we really need to deep dive into Um, but there are plenty of places in the world that have run out of water and we've seen that you know very recently you know day zero scenarios um, in lots of different places around the world so it's not to say that it won't happen absolutely it can and does Um, but you know I think the challenge for us is to find those those sustainable long-term sustainable solutions to water supply but also looking at how we use water better and reuse water better and more wisely so I'm interested, Saskia, in the in the approach to innovation around water. And I guess like a lot of industries, there are people, um, this is the way we've always done it type thinking. Um, yeah. And despite the significance of the challenge, are you seeing external thinkers and um, people ideating who are from outside of water and, and are now, and I guess that's partly what Aqualab has been mm brought in to do but but are you seeing some some real uh, effect and input from those external factors and people 
that you yeah. think actually this is this is really going to turn the dial? Oh, I mean, there are many, many cases, I think. And one of the things that we've certainly seen in the last six to 12 months in Australia is just a real shift. Um, it, like, for example, a lot of utilities are now employing people, new new senior, senior executives from outside the water industry, and particularly around the digital technology um, space, but, but not always. Um, but they're bringing in that new experience and that fresh thinking from other industries to try and, and reinvigorate what we're doing in this industry. And so I absolutely see um, the, the impacts of thinking that comes from, for example, aviation or from um, transport, um, mining and other areas, you know, and health they're all being sort of woven into that mix now and starting to see all those influences. So there's plenty of people coming in who don't know why we've always done it this way and who are asking those questions. And I think that's going to only be a benefit. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant to have that challenger mindset as mm. well. That's yeah. Not invented here is a is yes. a common problem. So not yes. just for water, but I think across many <laughs> bringing in that, yeah. that really, you know, controversial thinker potentially. Mm. Um, as a way to drive great outcomes. It's exciting. Yeah. And is, is technology a part of that outside thinking? I mean, you're obviously a part of the, a digital group within within GHD, yep. and, and you, I think um, seen reference the phrase, um, the digital future of water. Um, mm. what, is, what does that mean uh, in the context of what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, so it's like, you know, people are asking themselves, how do we... Um, use tech, hardware technology better to um, change the way we do things, to improve safety, to give us better data. How do we use that data much more effectively to help us not just um, react to situations that evolve, but actually to predict and prevent? So when we're talking about um, bringing together, you know, massive data sets to help with um, better asset management so we can, instead of replacing pipes um, on a just a standard, you know, time frame we can look at the risk profile of of different pieces of infrastructure and then actually prioritize based on what's actually happening um, for different pieces of infrastructure and so it helps us to be much more efficient more proactive provide a better service um, you know reduce leakage all of those things that um, you know that would be the holy grail if we could do it so the digital future of water is really about that that much better capture of data and whether it's through new sensors or use of drones or satellite imagery or whatever it is, um, and then using that data to then create those insights and help us to be proactive and predictive in the way that we manage our assets and deliver the water and, and engage with our customers. So to me, that's, you know, that's really it in a nutshell. And it appears to me, um, kind of looking in a sense a little bit from the outside, but also kind of working on the inside is, is that, the technology that's at hand today is actually all that we need um, to, to be solving some, mm. or taking us a long way to solving some of the key challenges you've talked about. Yep. Um, if that is true, and it seems to be saying you'd be saying the same thing, what are the key obstacles that you see in terms of, of bringing that all to bear um, mm. and getting the data um, where it needs to be? What gets in the way of us? Yeah, being? so you're right. I mean, there's so much, the technology is way ahead. And, and if you can imagine something you'd like to do, the technology probably exists to, to facilitate that. Uh, some of the blockers that I've seen are things like um, just an organization's readiness to, to actually implement that technology. Um, there's, you know, there's 
lots of foundational building blocks you need, you know, you, to to be able to then harness that techno that um, technology and the data. So a lot of people are just getting their foundations right, and and that can take years in some cases, of just getting those building blocks right. Um, I think the other thing is we don't necessarily always understand that we could we need to sometimes completely reinvent our processes and our workflows and things with this new technology. Yeah. A lot of people are trying to apply the technology to existing workflows and maybe getting incremental improvements, but haven't stopped to think about how do we start with a blank sheet of paper and completely rethink how we do stuff. And I think, um, and that's partly cultural, partly organisational, um, but I think, you know, that's also that a barrier around how do we use the technology to its fullest potential. I think the associated piece there is also the investment that goes with driving that change. So there's, oh, yeah. there's a technology change, but there's mm. also a process and people change. So whilst coming back to that, you know, you've got a leader that really gets it or has come from outside industry and wants to change something. Mm. But as that cascades down, the water industry is quite a traditional industry in the way it operates. Mm. So you've got this yeah. tension between top and bottom that, that I think until there's some, back to your point, we can see the results that have been achieved in Germany or we've seen mm. them in France or wherever that, the US, wherever they've been, there's still that not invented here, not mm. sure, you know, dichotomy yeah. that we've got to try and find a way to push through. Yeah, uh, there is. And, but I think you've hit the nail on the head too around the investment that's required for some of these things. Um, you know, we can't completely reinvent things with the budgets that we have at the moment. So people are finding the best ways to do it with, you know, eking it out over a multi-year time span. And I mean, that's just the reality that we all have to deal with, isn't it? Yeah. So, and that, that's the industry in, independent, I think, yeah, at the moment in terms of absolutely. stating the obvious maybe mm. there. <laughs> Well, I think we can uh, kind of wrap up with our, our famous three questions. Uh, spin <laughs> I don't know that we classify them as famous yet, but we're, we're working on it. <laughs> um, so business outcomes that you see your role needing yeah. to influence over the next six to, to 18 months. I mean, what are, the, what are the things you can look back on in that period, you know, at the end of that period and say, you know, that was good work, that, that really shifted the dial for us? So purely in terms of GHD focus, I think one of the things that we're really wanting to get out of this is to give our people a platform to really uh, demonstrate their ability to be innovative and to reposition ourselves in the market as innovation partners. Um, so, you know, that if we can shift the dial in terms of our perception and our ability to do that, I think that would be incredible. And, um, but also I think, you know, GHD has been slowly, quietly growing over the years and we've got, um, over 10,000 staff globally now and I think sometimes we forget that we actually got a bit of scale and um, okay we're not 100,000 but we've got enough scale so that we can start to become a, a, a more heard and um, have a louder voice in the in the global arena and I'd really want us to to kind of step up to the plate and, and own our place there and to become a more important player but also influencer in, in the global water market and, and helping to shape the future of the water industry. Yeah. And that probably leads me into the, the second question, less so maybe about the technologies that excite you, but mm. but being that thought leader and having that voice clearly excites you as, mm. as something that you, you're striving for. But where do you think the technology can shape the water industry future and what, what 
what are you seeing that maybe not might not be ready right now, but but over that mm-hmm. coming 12 to 18 months, you can see that there's 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 hope and there's excitement. Yeah. I mean, look, there's so many technologies um, and improvements that are, you know, really helping to reshape the way we do things, um, whether it's, you know, in asset management and those sorts of places. But to me, they're kind of along that continuous improvement spectrum. And um, even though they might be quite a long way along, um, the ones that I'm particularly interested in is sort of just watching closely are the ones that are looking at how do we um, extract water from air and um, because I think if we can do that at some scale and we can do that without an enormous accompanying energy usage so you know modest energy consumption to go with it I think that will really be a game changer Um, it will take the supply of water possibly out of the hands of utilities and and allow people to um, perhaps be a bit more independent in in how they um where they live, um, how they access water, all, all those sorts of things. So I think, you know, that's that's one that if they can crack that nut, that could that could be a really, really important step change for the industry. That's Sounds exactly. almost revolutionary, kind of along mm-hmm. the lines of the water equity that you were talking of. Yeah, is. that's right. Yeah. yeah, so it's all very much intermingled, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final question from me, um, is there a leading light in business in the water sector in, that you're operating with that, that you know every engagement you have and whether it's somebody you actually know or, or somebody that you're following um, that really inspires you and, and you you can't get enough of what they've got to say or, or their point of view that that is challenging the market yeah so I mean I try every time I meet someone I'm always sort of looking for those little nuggets of gold and those ideas and inspiration and so on so there's lots of people doing really cool things that um, are, are building that general fabric of, um, you know, improvement that we're, that we're building. Um, in terms of leading light, so there's no single person, but I, I might, um, in my recent engagements with them, I, I would probably call out Yarra Valley Water in Australia, in the Australian context. Um, they seem to be, they seem to have some really great um, leadership and coherent strategy about where they're going. Um, about what they want to do with their customer and their community. They're really focused on those things and everything is kind of drawing in behind that. And, you know, they also seem to have a really open um, collaborative culture, which I think um, is just super. So I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of them in the last sort of, you know, six to 12 months. And um, but like I say, you know, there's lots of people doing lots of pockets of really good stuff yeah. as well. And um but yeah, you know, I think probably if I had to call out a standout, it would be Yarra Valley. Very cool. Very cool. I love the um, the openness that you have there. I just was very struck by the line. I love um, meeting people. Kind of the, the sense of picking out the the nuggets um, from the yeah. folks that you come across. Um, I think is just such an essential part of of the world that we live in mm. days in terms of the. The diversity of knowledge and experience and this when I started out in IT I could read one one magazine and I kind of like <laughs> covered in terms of what was yeah. going on so there's yep. so much to learn and, and, and even yeah even if that nugget is just a different perspective that makes you yeah. pause for a moment and think about what it is you're doing or you know the way you're doing something like it doesn't necessarily mean that you know everybody's aligned but but sometimes just a different perspective that makes you think um, twice about something is, is also really important. And um, I like those ones as well, where you get challenged and go, yeah, okay. 
maybe haven't thought about everything, you know, yeah. and that diversity of thoughts is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Saskia, this has been a great conversation. We've cool. loved, uh, loved talking with Thank you. you. And it's, it's just so obvious, uh, kind of reflecting on, on where we started this conversation of, of how the sliding doors moment has kind of led you mm. down this path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Paul would say with me, I could, we can see why you've been led down <laughs> this path. Just the, you know, the combination yeah. of, I suppose, the visionary value, um, sustainability um, orientation mm. that you bring and kind of this hardwired into you with a, a kind of a very pragmatic um, leadership approach, I think mm. is, is an essential part of what's going to cause you to be successful in the role. Oh, thank you, Simon. Yeah. yeah, no, it's really exciting. As I say, you know, I couldn't have couldn't have probably written a better job description for myself if I tried. So very fortunate to be here right now. And mm-hmm. so completely agree with, with Simon's words and, and obviously we're working together between GHD and and, and Orange to mm. to affect some of these changes in yeah. the market. So it's a, it continues to be an exciting time and, and Absolutely. You know, to to growing that um and i just echo simon's point of view so thank you for today and thanks for the energy um Pleasure. And for our listeners and viewers um, <laughs> if you enjoyed today we uh will be releasing these over the coming weeks and months um and uh, hopefully you can subscribe and, and keep updated with the work that we're doing so thank you again saski for your time today and, and look forward to catching up in person soon yeah sounds good paul thank you thank you simon thank you,